This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, The Adventure Boutique. That's not real empowerment. And is it exploitation? It's certainly that's in the mix. But certainly I would say, knowing what I know now, that the exploitation wasn't necessarily done to me, so I wasn't a, a victim of it, but I was also complicit in exploiting myself in a sense. Hi, I'm Michelle. A random meeting in the street with my fabulous friendly neighbour Liz resulted in the creation of this podcast. Finding ourselves at the same stage of life, we've got to know each other over cups of tea and maybe something stronger on my sofa. With seven kids and stepkids between us, we've been around the block a bit and are now redefining ourselves in midlife as empty nesters. Join us on the sofa for a chat. There's always room for one more. Hi, welcome to Two Women Chatting. I'm Michelle. And I'm Liz. This week, we thought we'd have a chat um, to a... You'll all remember this wonderful lady, mainly by... I was going to say you'll remember her by a smile, but you might remember her for other reasons. But Melinda Messenger, the smiliest, loveliest lady, she is going to be doing a trek to Nepal. I saw this on Instagram. And I thought... How cool is that, that she started as a glamour model, like lots of other people. So in the UK, if you're out of the UK, you may not have come across this, but page three of The Sun and The Star, I think it was, The Daily Star, for years and years, they had page three models, which were basically gorgeous looking women who didn't wear tops. And you would find them on every builder's site, yeah, um, every, you know, workplace cafe. It was very openly read yeah and it was just very was part normal. of your life as i say it's kind very no- normalized. normalized it was and looking back I'm, I'm not sure whether i'd agree with it or not but um i think i'm really on the fence in some ways i think um i can't really decide whether i was shocked by it i, I or was whether i shocked. think it was are these it was, women it was what empowered it was, yeah they were doing it because they wanted to they got great figures they're f- fantastic looking I don't made a lot them. of money doing yeah, it. Why too. not? You're, you're using your skill. Yeah, they're using their skill or their bodies. Or... <laughs> yeah, but they're using their, their 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 resources. Yeah. So I mean, could, were they exploited? Possibly, but were they in charge of the exploitation? Maybe. I don't know. I think. What do you think, listeners? Do you think it was, you know, okay? It was of a different era. That's for sure. I think the only person that you could actually ask would be an ex-Page 3 model. Handily. <laughs> Handily. Handily. We've got an ex-Page 3 model coming on in a minute. So, yeah, I think but you know what I mean? It could her. be because you know, you know, who are the models? There was Jerry Halloway. Was she at Page 3? Well, once at least. Yeah. But Jerry Halliwell, that, was, that surprised me. When yeah. I was looking into the most famous Page 3 girls... Katie Price is well known. Samantha Fox, of course. Oh gosh, yes, but they've all gone to great things. Yeah, so it's interesting how many yeah. didn't and how many did. So, so it's a launching pad. Yeah. Could think of it that way. Here's a page three girl. I bet you didn't realise. Rosie Jones, Joe Wicks's wife. She got started God, with that. Really? Yeah. No, yeah. No, well, yeah. Mm. Jodie Marsh, Linda Lusardi, but it's all stopped now. So in 2015. It was 44 years they had page three yeah, girls. Yeah, because you've got to remember, it's nothing like, you know, Playboy magazine, anything like that. It was, no. it was just, it was seen as a bit of fun, but now no way it would happen. But it's, it's true. As I said, we just saw it as 
it was page three, just turned the yeah. and I just went on to... It's not something I, used, I would do. No, but Tell I used to think, oh, pretty girls. oh my gosh. So when I was at school, um, I actually waitressed at this this club for extra money and stuff. No, not like a club like that. <laughs> you know, no, it was like... Was like no. I was just seeing a different way. No, 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 no. It was uh, a country club, right? Oh, okay, yeah. And one of the girls that I worked with was slightly older than me at school. And one day it turned out that, I mean, she was gorgeous looking girl, mm. great body. She had become a page three model. Mm. And we were all like, did you see Maggie? Did you see Maggie? Anyway, in my research for today's podcast, I thought, well, I wonder what she's doing these days. I wonder if she was as successful as some of these others. So I just Googled her. Well, Liz, I need to clear my cookie history because I got quite the eyeful. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah it's still there. The pictures, the photos are there. Oh, she carried on doing the stuff. She, 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 she added she, parts. She, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So that's it. And I think we, we could, it's very controversial what we're talking about here. But I think, I, as I said, I think it's whether or not they were happy to do it, they made the money, and they, I think happy to do it, and they weren't exploited. Yeah, in control. Yeah. In control. I think not that, pimped out. Not pimped out, but they, they, they were empowered, and yeah. that's fine. And it's not, who am I to say? Who am I to say what's right or wrong? Right, well, yeah. right. It's right. <laughs> Well, I think we should ask Melinda. Yeah. So let's invite Melinda onto our podcast sofa. Melinda Messenger, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast sofa. Let's do a little bit of an intro. I think most people in the UK will have heard of you, but our listenership is all over the world now. So in case they haven't heard of you, Melinda shot to fame after being spotted on a billboard for a windows firm in Swindon in 1997. And apparently posters all over town were stolen because she looked so good. Um, she recently said she would wear heavy makeup all the time to cover up feeling like she wasn't good enough. And you've only got to look at her to know that she was good enough. Um, an English television presenter and former glamour model and page three girl. She presented the magazine programme live from Studio 5 and was formerly the co-presenter of the reality show Cowboy Builders. She's a mum to three, um, pretty much an empty nester, although I think the birds have come back to the nest a little bit. She's parted ways with her ex-husband, Wayne Roberts, and admitted last year that she would consider dating again. Um, After quitting regular TV work, she undertook training in psychotherapy and has been practising since 2015. But now, typical of us midlife women, she's taken on a new challenge, taking part in a trek to support the Langtang region of Nepal, which was devastated by the 2015 earthquake. What a life you lead, Melinda Messenger. <laughs> Thank you. And when you put it like that, it's, it's, um, it's quite a journey, isn't it? But, you know, I think all of our lives take these journeys, these unexpected sort of twists and turns. So what a life journey from glamour model to psychotherapist and charity trekker. Liz and I were talking about this before you came on. How do you view your page three days. We're not going to labour on this because that was one part of your life. But, you know, we clearly it was a launching pad for your career. And we were kind of debating, is it exploitation? Is it empowering? Is it, you know, how do you see it looking back? Because it's sort of an antiquated way now, given that um, the Sun and the Daily Star don't do that anymore. And, you know, women are having a different kind of conversation now. It wouldn't probably be done. How do you see it looking back? Um, yeah, it's well, it's an interesting one because it is so far back for me. Um, so, yeah, sort of like 26 years ago. 
And so my relationship to that stage of my life is different, perhaps, to the perception of others, because for me, um, it was a very short moment in time. Uh, I think, you know, it, it kind of it was an it wasn't an intention of mine to become a model. Um, it was something that I got offered. I was about 27 at the time. And it was just an experience that I thought, you know what, it's an experience. I generally do work that way. I kind of feel like, you know, I want to kind of engage in life and try things that maybe uh, I would never ordinarily do. And I think that certainly was the way that I was back then, too. Um, so I said yes. Um, and I actually only did it for a couple of months, um, but it had a big impact um, certainly on my life and, you know, the pictures that, that I had taken at that time in those few months, um, you know, they, they can stay around forever. They do stay around forever because, of course, now we've got the Internet, you know, and it was just sort of the beginning of that time. Um, so I have a very different opinion on and view now than obviously I did back then as a young 27 year old. You know, at that time, my view on it was. Um, that it was sort of quite harmless in a way I felt quite empowered. I'd, I'd rationalized it for myself. So in, in my mind, I thought, well, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong in the human body. There's nothing wrong. Um, you know, I'd be topless on a beach. So I didn't have that kind of relationship to it. Now I look back, obviously, but I'm in my 50s um, and I have a very different relationship to it now. So now I, I, me now, I certainly would not do that. Um, but I understood where I was back then and why that seemed okay. Um, but there, I think it's all of those things that you said. I think that there is there is an element of self-empowerment, but it's not really true self-empowerment, that it's a way of feeling like you're taking back control. But actually, it's not. You still, it really, to my, for me anyway, for my own take on this, um, that's not real empowerment. Um, and is it exploitation? It's certainly that's in the mix. Um, but certainly, I, I would say, knowing what I know now, that the exploitation wasn't necessarily done to me. So I wasn't a, a victim of it. But I was also complicit in exploiting myself, in a sense. Um, and that's something I had to learn. So, you know, I, I was very kind of um, uh, boundaries was something that I had to learn. Uh, you know, and there, there were different parts to my personality, to my makeup, um, you know, and I had very sort of vulnerable private parts. And that's probably, <laughs> pun, pun, um, but that's <laughs> actually true of who I am in nature. Um, but I was able to kind of, um, you know, mask that or defend that by a more extroverted kind of persona, if you like and see things as a bit of a fun and adventure and 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 also to my mind i had no idea of what it really meant so i didn't know that that meant i was going to become famous and and that my life would rapidly change i had no idea or comprehension that that was going to happen it was just simply saying yes to something um and then seeing what unfolded so i'm not sure if that answers your question That's or not interesting that no, it absolutely does. And I can see that you're coming from it, from, you know, this very educated um, psychotherapist viewpoint where you've been able to, with hindsight, examine perhaps what you did 
so much younger. I find that really, really interesting. I wanted to come on as well, and this is a bit about image. Quite recently on Instagram, you unveiled your gorgeous silver look. You let your hair grow back to the to its natural colour. And there was a lot of buzz about this. Um, some nasty trolling, some some unkind comments. How did you deal with suddenly being thrown? I mean, you've been in the public eye for a long time, but how did you feel about that reaction? Because I think both Liz and I were pretty darn horrified by the way that people reacted to it. Um, well, I guess I'm a lot more resilient to that kind of thing now. So, you know, in the past, I might have taken it personally. I might have seen it as a personal attack on me. Um, I wouldn't have felt so secure in myself and it would have hurt. Now it doesn't really. I, I just see that when people comment, you know, it is a reflection of how they view life. It is a reflection of how they view themselves, you know, and then others in turn. And it's actually got nothing to do with me. I might be a catalyst for it, but it's not about me personally. And it, and it doesn't matter, you know, how if I want pink, green, yellow, whatever hair color I want, you know, that's not impacting anyone else. It's it's just about for me, it's about it's more about a kind of a self acceptance, um, and not feeling that I have to be any different to be, you know, validated or approved of, or you know, okay by other people's standards. I just need to be okay by my own. Um, so yeah, I was all right with it, but it 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 made me chuckle, you know. And there there were some that were really awful, but in a way, I was like, this is actually a really good filter system. Because, um, you know, all of a sudden you can see where people are coming from. I know who I would want to engage with and who I wouldn't want to engage with. And so it's quite a good like a boundary, if you like. Um, so I just don't engage with the, the people. If they've just got something hateful to say, I just choose not to engage with that. Um, that's not going to come in. And I, the way that I manage in terms of, you know, what's out there in the public arena being, you know, somewhat of a public person is either I just don't read it, I don't watch it, I don't listen to it. You know, I have my social media sites and I'm really careful about what I engage with and who I allow in that space of mine. I treat it like my own private space, you know, because I might read these messages when I'm, you know, in my bedroom um, having a cup of tea, you know, and I, I'm not kind of defended. And so, you know, I'm I'm kind of mindful of what I let in and where I let it in from and then how much importance I give it. That sounds like the wisdom of a midlife woman, to be honest, as well as through your training. We've all got that sort of hindsight and just I think we're, you know, compared to 20-somethings and teenagers who don't have that filter and who are not able to put people aside who are unkind or toxic you know, we can deal a little bit with social media, although, to be honest, both of us find it really draining sometimes. Yeah, and I think it can be. I think, you you know, because it's a relatively new phenomena for us all, you know, apart from the kids that have grown up with it, they do, so they don't recognise the drain on their energy. But anything that's asking for your attention is either going to take your energy away or feed you energy. So we've got to learn how to discern that. You know, does this nourish me? Does this um, give me energy? Does this fill me up or does this drain me? You know, and, and identify, you know, as quick as you can what's draining um, and limit that in the same way you'd limit that in any way. You know, be it a personal relationship, 
um, uh, be it food that you eat that you know you feel awful afterwards you know in in any area of life you know what are we taking in is it nourishing is it building us is it encouraging us is it developing us or is it depleting if it's depleting you know there you go there's your answer you know you've got then we have to manage it yeah and that's what you know your, your new career which i was fascinated to read about you know what what you know a psychotherapist but you you are trans transpersonal tra- what, yeah transpersonal what, is, that, is that slightly different I'm, I'm used to this stuff like this it's but you okay. know I was really fascinated because I, I I'm just it's beginning to it, I understand it now but connecting with with everything else and you were saying with your experience from from your you know your career in the past you must be really good at it what the empathy yeah because mm. you've been through some you know you were saying you know but you know about the, the hair you know and the social media which is horrendous to people it doesn't matter whether you be famous or not it it social media yeah, is, 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 is year old school girl yeah yeah so yeah. what what yeah. made you decide yeah. to go into that arena then that's what i was trying to say yeah i get where you're coming from um well just so uh, trans, so it's transpersonal integrative psychotherapy is my training. And what that basically means is not easy long for you words. To say. Yeah, or not so easy. Um, but basically what that means is so the transpersonal is the, um, the part of us that's sort of greater than just our psychological makeup, our physiological makeup, you know, our, our kind of, you know, the, the sort of nurture and nature. It's the, the part of us that's sort of more, it's like who we really are on a bigger scale. So, you know, encompasses like I would use terms such as the soul, our soul nature or, you know, who we really are underneath it all. Um, so it's a much bigger picture. It looks at all of us rather than just a specific part. And the integrative aspect is that we are trained and understand how to work in different modalities. So the psychoanalytical, which will be like how our early years have shaped us, how our early life experiences have formed us and the way that we think, what our defense structures are, um, why we respond in certain ways. Um, there's also the existential. So, you know, all about our kind of fears and what's our purpose in life and why are we all here and what's, what is it to be a human? Um, to the humanistic, which is that sort of empathic relating soul to soul, human to human, person to person. You know, life is and can be a struggle. Life isn't meant to be easy, but we resist that. We fight that. We say, no, no, we, I want life to be nice always or easy. And, you know, but that's not what really life is about. That's not life's job. You know, it's our job to grow and develop and keep growing and keep developing and, and work out, well, where do we, where are we in resistance to life and what life wants to teach us? You know, that's, that's a really great opportunity when you can spot that. Um, and so that's a little bit about what that is. And it's also about being able to identify patterns. So, you know, when somebody comes in um, and they're struggling with a particular issue, it's about being identify, being able to identify what are the roots um, and then work our way back. So, you know, so a good imagery for it would be like somebody comes in and they're struggling, there's conflict, there's, you know, they've got it, they, they're really deeply unhappy things aren't working in life the way they want them to. It's like a tangled ball of wool, you know, and then our work is to very lovingly and carefully and respectfully help to untangle that ball of wool and, and get things, you know, that sort of are more cohesive and make sense again and, 
and the person finds out, you know, who they are at the centre of all of this, you know, and, and what is it they really want and why have things gotten tangled? You must literally change lives. <laughs> well, <laughs> that would be quite a... Well, I mean, the untangling of, of trauma or, I mean, the reason that people would mm. come to you... They must be in a bit of a pickle, let's put it that way. And you're untangling all these threads and smoothing it out so that they can reframe or look at it from a different viewpoint and and find their positivity, find their find their what they want to do in life again. I mean, what you're doing is really deep stuff. It is really deep stuff, and it and it can be life changing. It can be life saving, without a doubt. And and I wouldn't. And that's not. But I wouldn't say that's, you know, that's my doing this is a, it's a it's a cooperative relationship, you know. So so as the therapist, I help facilitate that the client's doing the work and the client takes the credit and the client is the one that really, you know, um, holds on to that power because that's theirs. You know, I'm the facilitator. Yeah, that's another, that's another whole chat I was going to say because <laughs> it, it is connect. It's trigger points and connections, and as you started saying some stuff, it made me start thinking. Well, it, it, it's yeah. Hmm. So let's bring this down to much <laughs> yeah, more shallow, yeah. um, <laughs> shallow water, shall we say? So you mentioned recently you're happy to date again. Should we go there? <laughs> So, <laughs> well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because when we do start going into the depth, we all kind of drop into it and can feel it, um, you know. And it's knowing, like, you know, yeah, absolutely. We've got life is about navigating, you know, between the depths of the ocean and riding the waves. So, yeah, absolutely. On the top of the waves, dating and romance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not in any, I'm not in any rush. Um, I'm not in any. Um, place of like, oh, I really want this to happen. It would be nice and I would like that. Um, but it, what has been beneficial for me, and I wonder if this is perhaps quite a theme, for, particularly for women, uh, you know, in our stage of life, um, it, it, particularly if you've had a marriage that's ended, you know, my marriage was 20 years, um, and then some other relationships um, after after that, you know, there can be that sense of we are often or certainly for me, you know, functioning to look after others all the time. So, you know, my priority was raising my children, you know, raise my children, you know, the relationship, you know, working, providing all of those things. And, and so now I've and I have had been, you know, touch wood, been lucky in the last, you know, few years of life, really to have a lot of space just for me. Um, and that's just been amazing. Like, oh, okay, you know, I can, I can be the priority now. You know, and that's not to say my children aren't because they always will that's be. So important. But, yeah, but they're at a different stage of life. So now I can start thinking about me. Um, and yeah, for a while, relationships whilst my children were younger and in their teenage years, I just saw that as too disruptive. You know, that that my priority was actually just keeping a. Um, a secure kind of stable home as possible with with less interruptions or possibilities to interrupt that so um, and I think that can often be not always but often that can be the difference for um, the mother or the father depending on who's raising the children you know and when they're then ready to start embarking on another relationship um, and that's anyway that's what I chose to do. Do you fancy a journey that differs from a normal holiday? The Adventure Boutique can provide you with just the thing. 
and their mission is to provide people from all walks of life with unique, unparalleled adventures. Whether you want an adventure that revolves around cultural experiences, a physical challenge, a culinary adventure, or health benefits, their world-renowned expedition leaders can deliver a memorable journey that will go above and beyond your expectations. And their adventures aren't designed by just anyone either. Founder of the Adventure Boutique, Dr. Raj Joshi, has years of experience leading teams through some of the world's most remote environments, including film crews, celebrities, and the general public. Are you ready for your next adventure? Check out www.theadventureboutique.org. That's www.theadventureboutique.org. It sounds a bit frivolous, but given that you're famous and some men may have preconceptions of what you may be like, would you use an online online dating site? And a lot of our listeners who are you know flying solo and getting back onto that dating uh, platform, if you like, kind of scary. We want to do a podcast at some point about dating in midlife and how you go about it and how to keep yourself safe doing it um, in all kinds of ways. But being famous, would you go on Bumble or Tinder? I wouldn't. I wouldn't because of that reason. Um, I think it would. It just wouldn't be. It wouldn't be uh, a safe enough environment for me to be on because, uh, as you you know you say, what I love about dating sites and I have so many friends same age and they've all met partners through dating sites. I think for our generation, there's a little bit of an old. Um, it can have a bit of a hangover of a bit of a negative, uh, like, oh, you've got to use a dating site. But, 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 you know, that's, and I had to challenge my own beliefs on that because I had that too. And I was a bit like, oh, no. Um, and then I, and then I realized talking to people who'd found really loving, amazing relationships and really happy through these sites, I thought, actually, no, it's really smart because it's a filtering system. You know, you're already filtering out, well, who's available? Who's in, you haven't got to work through all of that. You know, where's our commonality? Uh, you know, all of that you can use it for. So it, I think it, they're brilliant and really, really helpful. But I think for me, I would have to battle with too many layers of who was coming at me and why and what their perception of me was. It, it would be a bit, I would feel a bit too exposed and a bit too vulnerable in that kind of situation, I think. Unless I could, you know, use a different name and a different picture, but then that's not really the best start to any new yeah. relationship, is it? <laughs> <Speaks> <laughs> yeah, maybe celebrities go dating then or something. <laughs> but I don't think that would work for me either. I, I you know, I, 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 I kind of believe, I kind of believe, um, you know, I just get engaged in life and get get going with it, and you know, and if it's going to happen, it'll happen. Yeah, you meet people often when it's the most unexpected time. I think, as long as you're, you know, you're open. And don't put pressure on. Yeah. And don't yeah. put pressure on, yeah. So you were saying about, you know, you, you, you've got time now, your kids are at home, they're at home with you, but, you know, that they, they are, you know, hopefully doing their own thing. Yeah. So you're, you're doing this trek to Nepal. Can you tell us something about it? I can. So Nepal is um, somewhere that I absolutely love. It's the most incredible place. I took a trip there about 10 years ago. It's almost 10 years to the day. And I took my children, who are obviously a lot younger, and my brother, his partner, his two young children, my mum, and my brother and his partner uh, were living out there. They'd lived out there for 10 years. So we went to visit them and I ended up staying for a couple of months. The most breathtakingly beautiful place. But 
also what struck me was the people there were just unbelievably generous, kind, open. You know, it it was, yeah, it was just breathtaking to see, you know, people living in a different way, real strong sense of community, real strong sense of looking after each other. You know, just little things like you'd walk down a road and people, if they saw you passing, they could tell, obviously, you know, you're a tourist and they would invite you into their house for, you know, they'd come in and have a cup of tea. And it, one lady, we walked, we were walking through a village and it was very remote and, you know, clearly they, they didn't have a lot. They had very little. And she, but she wanted to offer us something because we were guests, we were visitors. And she came out with a handful of corn you know, to offer. And, it, and it's just this sort of like the beauty of that generosity. You know, my brother at, at the time, he, he was riding through the local village he was living in and he, on a motorbike and his motorbike broke down um, and the, the it, it wheeled it to a, a little kind of repair shop. And the guy there doesn't know him or anything, said, look, you know, take mine. I'll get this fixed for you. Come back in a week or two. And, you know, and so that sort of level of trust, oh gosh, I mean, trust. where does that happen in the world? So, you know, the, this is the sort of people that they are. And yeah, I ended up, which is another story we won't go into, but I ended up do, doing a couple of retreats out there. So I went into retreat for about three weeks and did a yoga and Vipassana, which is a silent meditation retreat for you don't speak and you're up at like 5am till 10pm at night and just in meditation. And so, it, you know, so the whole experience for me was profoundly life changing in every way. Um, so Nepal has stayed in my heart as one of those places that, you know, I've, I feel very connected to and have always wanted to go back. And then an opportunity came up to go on this trek, which is through the Langtang Valley, um, which is an exceptionally beautiful area of Nepal. But Nepal was hit by an earthquake. Um, whilst my brother and, and sister-in-law were living out there, um, and it, it, it really devastated the place. And so I, you know, firsthand through them was sort of hearing about what was going on, and it was just heartbreaking. And they stayed and, and helped as much as they could because they're both paragliding pilots, so they could fly into certain areas and that weren't accessible by foot anymore and just help out, you know, bringing tents and food and just, you know, whatever was needed. So uh, we were all very, very impacted at the time by what happened. And of course, Nepal's been trying to recover from this. Um, and this particular area was really badly hit. And, you know, there was huge, huge loss of life. Um, so it's the trek is in part, it's an adventure. It's a challenge. So it's it's about, you know, being with a group of people um, embarking on an incredible place in, in on this earth, you know, that's that's um, phenomenally enriching. And so having that personal challenge, having that personal adventure, um, being able to kind of connect with that community, with the beauty of the place, to find out what what's in us, what we're capable of. So, but but all the while, um, we're sort of supporting that region. So the money that gets raised goes into there's a a school there um, that's the only residential school for deaf children. Um, so the, the the money that's raised will will go to help um, with the support and the running 
of this school. So is that a portion of, because I know you're going with the Adventure Boutique and Dr. Raj Joshi, um, who seem, oh gosh, I had a look on the website and I have to say they are the most incredible holidays and itineraries. And I'm, you know, I'm going to be showing that to my husband later and saying, I think we need to book one of these at some point in our future. Um, so does part of the ticket price that you're paying, part of that goes to the foundation, does it? Is that how it works? Yeah, they're very much um, looking to provide an experience, an adventure and a challenge um, for the people that kind of want to um, take part in, in, in these experiences. Um, at, so, so you get something really, you know, profound and hopefully that will stay with you for a lifetime. Um, but by the same token, also feeds back and supports the areas that we're going to. So it's that idea of, of um, when sort of commercial tourism can, can support the conservation sort of efforts of an area, you know, be it the, the people, the community, um, so that absolutely that money will goes into the foundation and then um, that supports whatever's needed in that area. Um, with this particular trek, the Lantan trek, there's also, uh, we're asking people to pledge £500. So that might be like your sponsorship money, you know, if you're, you're because it's quite an adventure to do this, um, people will sponsor you and then that money will, will go directly also into the foundation to support um, the work that's kind of happening there and the regeneration of that area. And there's still spaces, I believe. You're, there's, people can still join you on this trek if they're, I assume, somewhat physically in a condition to do that. So that when is the trek? It's in April sometime, isn't it? So, yeah, 5th to the 15th of April. And anyone that's interested, um, they can email uh, contact at theadventureboutique.org. And they'll give them the, the details and the itinerary. Um, and there are a few spaces. So obviously, it's, it's going to be a limited number of people. But it, I, I believe, well, knowing what I know of the area and, um, you know, what we're about to embark on, you know, this it's it's an adventure. It's enough of a challenge. I mean, I'm, I'm not somebody I don't work out. I like to walk. I like to cycle, you know, but I'm definitely not a kind of hardcore gym person or I've never been in a gym. Um, so, you know, you just have to have a reasonable level of fitness, you know, that you, you, you can sort of walk maybe sort of four or five hours a day. Um, but it's going to be a pace, you know, that's, that sort of takes into consideration the whole group. But it's about fine also. It's and the a, elevation. Too. And the elevation. Absolutely. Um, but what I love about this is you, you, you know, finding where your own resistance is, what you think you're not capable of, and then suddenly finding out, oh, no, actually, I can do that. You know, that really gives us something very nourishing inside to have that and to know that that's there. Wow. Pushing if the boundaries. If I wasn't yeah. away, I would absolutely you know, yeah, sign I'd, up for this. It's, it's strange. This is one of the things that I was talking about with my husband doing something different, but I, I've realised doing it on your own with your husband, it's not so much fun either. <laughs> Don't listen, he doesn't listen to it away. But you know what I mean? You're doing it with a group of people, hopefully like-minded. Um, and, and you are you know, pushing your boundaries. Well, it be a lot for me. Um, Such an but, opportunity to make yeah, friends, really, yeah. as well. And, and to give to, good calls as well. And to give back, yeah. Okay. We'll put a link on our yeah. website for sure well, in case people want to go and check all that out. But thank you, Melinda. That's just been so wonderful to talk to you. And uh, I wouldn't mind doing one of these challenges. Oh, I, I'm up for Maybe it. Maybe we should do it together. 
Yeah, with that dodgy knees. Yeah, I don't have a dodgy knee. That's my problem, my dodgy knee. I've got yeah. a new hip. I am golden. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Thanks for listening to Two Women Chatting with our special guests. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review. Even better, share with your friends. And please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. There's a link on our Instagram bio and Facebook pages. 